0: Hey, welcome to Advent Christian Voices with the Renewed Church Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Reynolds, and I'm joined by the illustrious and awesome Justin Nash. We are seeking to lead the discussion while providing practical advice on church health among Advent Christian churches. How are you doing there, Justin?
1: Well, I better than I deserve there. Eric, how about yourself?
0: You know what? I'm doing pretty good. A lot better than you because you had to spend last week down in, uh, down in Florida uh, at Disneyland, which I hear is awful, but you say is awesome. Yeah, it's it's good.
1: I'm telling you, it's good. It's a lot of people though. So if you don't like people, it's not a good place to be. Yeah,
0: I can't stand people. So that's that's you know I'm I'm in the good line of work. Pa- pastoral ministry. Yeah, you're right in line for that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But uh, so today we're actually going to talk about uh, what is the current state of church health in the Advent Christian denomination. So uh, to give a recap of what we talked about already, uh, what are a couple of indicators of church health there, Justin?
1: Well, I tend to think of it in terms of qualitative or quant- and quantitative. I think both are important. I think from a qualitative perspective, you're looking to ask the question, are the people in our church growing spiritually? Are they maturing? Are they growing in their faith? Are they being transformed? I think also you're looking uh, at something simple. like: Are people excited about coming to church? Is there any energy? I think we've all... Of course, from week to week, we may not be super excited, but overall, what's the energy level like when you're together as Mm -hmm. the body of Christ in whatever setting that is, but particularly that Sunday morning worship experience? Mm -hmm. Engagement in the community is a huge qualitative thing. So this is an important question. I think something that is a good takeaway, if nothing else, if anybody actually listens to this, is would the community notice if your church closed? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, like, would that even be like? Like, would they notice? Hey, that church is gone, and and would they miss it? Mm -hmm. So that's sort of some three qualitative things. More quantitatively, and this is these are the things we tend to focus on. But uh, conversion growth versus transfer growth: are you growing? Because sometimes a church can grow, but that growth is all sort of uh, what we call, you know, what I call sheep swapping.
0: Or sheep stealing
1: in some cases. You just have Christians moving from church to church. But are you actually growing the kingdom of God? So, what's your conversion growth look like? Even if the church is growing, it's a, it's especially a important point. Uh, an interesting thing to to look at in the life of your church also is uh, baptism. To and compare it to your funerals, uh, it's it's just it can be really telling in a lot of cases when you have when you have three or four times as many funerals as you do baptisms. It may be an indication that you have an issue. Uh, worship attendance trends, uh, I think I said last time and I'll say it again, worship attendance is really the most important numeric marker in the church. Don't worry about membership because that those numbers tend to be meaningless. Uh, that worship attendance number is going to be a, a really significant number as you look at your, and look at it at trends, so look at a trend line, preferably over about three years. That's going to give you your best indicator of where you're headed, and, and, and finally, are the members of the church consistently inviting guests? I think that's an important question to ask. Do people actually invite people to church because if they don't, I think you have to ask well, why is that so there's just a you know just a few sort of uh breaking them up in terms of qualitative versus quantitative
0: yeah, and a couple of couple of notes on that that you know the spiritual maturity among members of the church that's a difficult thing to really grasp sometimes, right you know I think that, you know, how do you measure someone's spiritual growth? It's easier for the individual, maybe. Um, and maybe it's a little bit different in your context down um, down in North Carolina than it is up here. Whereas up in New England, we have this sense of my faith is my faith and stay out of it. Like it's none of your business. Even as a pastor, uh, I, you know, I've had bad experiences in as a pastor where I've tried to walk people through. You know, what does faith and repentance look like in your life, which I think is like the key mark in someone's uh, development or spiritual growth. Well, it's none of your business. You know, they get offended when you ask, you know, are you actively repenting of sin that is in your life? Uh, what, do you, what do you think? Well, no, I, I think we have the
1: same problem. I think this okay. sort of privatization of faith is endemic in the American church. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess my response to that would be, well, that's wrong. Right. right. Our faith yeah. is to be practiced in community. Mm-hmm. And and if I if you and I go to church together, I should know whether you're maturing or not because I'm involved in your life and you're involved in my yeah. life. And yeah. we're mutually accountable and mutually submissive and, and we're doing those different things. So I think in healthy churches, you see those kinds of relationships.
0: Mm-hmm. It may not be
1: the relationship based on the size of the church. It It's not even possible to have that kind of relationship with more than just a handful of people. Yeah. But in healthy church settings, people have those relationships and so they are dialed in and they know, hey, Eric's growing or Eric's, Eric's sliding back mm-hmm. and I need to come alongside and help him. So I, I think it is possible, but I think the way the church culture is in most churches, I think you make a good observation that it's mine. Leave me alone. If I want anything, I'll let you know.
0: And, and, yeah, I I think so. I think we're on the same page. You know, I was in, you know, prior to being here, we lived in Georgia for a long time. There was a greater sense of a communal focus, although down in the Bible Belt, I mean, you have a greater sense of people. It's easier to fake being a Christian down there than I think it is up here in New England, um, because it's not it's not in vogue. It's not the thing culturally that we do up here in New England, whereas down south, it largely is. Hey, what do we mean by? engagement in the community? Um, Are we we just saying, oh, we'll miss that building when it goes away, uh, if our church closed, or or what what does that mean to you?
1: Well, so what it means to me is, are the people in the church serving the community? Mm -hmm. Are they out in the community? Are they engaging the community in such a way that the folks in the community understand who the church is Mm -hmm. and why the people are there serving them? They're serving them in the name of Christ. They're serving them because they love Jesus, and Jesus loves them. So, in its, again, this is something that contextually is going to look a lot different depending on where you are, because if you're in an urban setting, that's going to look a lot different than, typically than, say, in, in a rural setting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But But really it's a question of how is the church serving the community? that's what i mean by that uh, is the church actually actively involved in going out and and finding ways to to be a to, to be a service to be a blessing mm-hmm. to be
0: a witness
1: out mm-hmm. in the community that's what i mean by that
0: Yeah, Uh, I'm reminded of, uh, I remember a few years ago, I read a book, or maybe it was an article about this guy who, he was called to plant a church up in like northern New York, uh, of all places, and it goes up to northern New York, launched this church, sent out flyers to everybody in town, and and did all the things that like your church growth folks would tell you to do, Uh, no one came, and he started six months, no one came to this church, it was just him and his family, maybe a couple other people, no one was really coming to this church, And then he kind of got this epiphany. Well, what if I started serving the community serve first? And as I'm serving, I'm sharing the gospel and whatnot. And he just went around town, went to gas stations and restaurants and things like that and said, Hey, can I clean your bathrooms? And they said, well, why do you want to clean our bathrooms? He said, you know, i I figure it'd be easier for your business and, and, you know, you have all these employees and they're doing a hundred different things. I just want to say, I appreciate what you guys do in our community. And, and um, that opened up opportunities for him to, to share the gospel with those folks in that community. People start coming to church, but you know, it's not like it, he didn't get 50 people overnight, but you know, there's something to be said for a long haul approach to serving the community that you live in.
1: Right, and I think it's a matter of, and it's a point we'll touch on a little bit later as well, but I think it is a point of serving the community without any expectation of any kind of reciprocation. Mm. I think that's an important thing to remember. We serve without any expectation of return. Mm-hmm. And, I think, and, and that's what I'm talking about when I'm talk, yeah. thinking about engaging the community.
0: Yeah. Hey. So, uh, in in what way is attendance trending in Everett Christian churches right now? Well, so it's not terribly positive,
1: but I, I'll just preface the, the, these numbers by saying we're not alone in this. Uh, churches in America, across the board, especially on the more liberal end of things, are are declining, mm-hmm. and so when I, these numbers they're to kind of keep that in mind, we're not alone in this. It's not just us. And that's not to make an excuse for any of this. It's just to try to set it in a a context. But since 2008, as a denomination, we've lost 54 churches. Now, now, if we're the Southern Baptist, 54 churches, not a big deal, right? That's nobody's, nobody misses that because they have thousands, thousands of churches. But when we have less than 300 churches, then that becomes an issue. Mm -hmm. And so, we want to be really careful. We're we're losing at a rate right now over the last decade of about 1% of our churches a year. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what we're looking at. I think the average is actually 3.2. Mm-hmm. So that's the number of churches we're losing. Now, some of those were are losing to closures. Some of those we're losing because they have left the denomination. Mm-hmm. So
0: why, uh, Just to find something, why are churches leaving a denomination?
1: A lot of it has to do with – I can't – This is anecdotal, and this is experiential, but most of the time it has to do with leadership where they have a person come in from outside the denomination to lead the church,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and that person will ultimately move them away from the denomination either for for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's theological. They don't -hmm. don't agree with the distinctives. Sometimes uh, it's been situations where they're simply – they don't like denominationalism at all or any kind of connection to anything, anything larger. So there's different reasons, but that's the primary reason I was, I was uh, one of our conferences since the, uh, since the early eighties, I believe it was and talking to their conference president that they've lost, I think he said 22 churches, uh, not, not closed, but lost 22 churches to, to people since the eighties. And it was a fairly large conference still is, I guess, but so that happens a lot, wow. and it, it's almost always based on leadership. That when we because this is a this is a different conversation, but of course we have a leader kind of kind of a leadership crisis right now, and with so many of our churches being bivocational vocational ministries, and it, it really constricts the amount of people who can be a can serve and who are Advent Christian. And so you have a lot of folks who come in from other denominations and they eventually move away. Now, that's not to say that all do, because we've had mm. some folks who come in from outside and have, have been embraced and have, have embraced us. And Yeah,
0: I'm one of those people. I yeah. came in, uh, you know, with a Southern Baptist, kind of Southern Baptist background, but I was more of a non-den- non-denominationalist, m- kind of moved in the Southern Baptist stream and uh, – kind of just God in sovereignty brought me to an AC church and revealed to me the distinctives and whatnot. And then, as I've said, for better or for worse, I'm stuck here uh, because of those, because no one else would take me because of those distinctives. And uh, I mean, at least in the, a lot of the people that I talk to, they're like in my age range and a lot of my friends, some, there's no perfect denomination, right? So, A guy like me, I I would prefer more of a Presbyterian type polity within our denomination, but that's just not the case. You know, we have something that's it is what, it is. you know, that's probably another topic for another day. But um, I can certainly see that the ineffectiveness in certain areas within our denomination compared to what I was what I was accustomed to with the Southern Baptist where they already have a lot of the structure. They've gone through their revitalization about 30 years ago where there were folks, uh, maybe even like 15 to 20 years ago, a lot of folks left the Southern Baptist because uh, of their, they felt that their tent was too wide theologically. Others felt that they weren't effective in missions enough. And now the Southern Baptist denomination is growing exponentially in in church plants and things like that comparatively speaking to other Protestant denominations. So there's hope for us. Right. And um, I I think it's going to take some folks sticking around and, uh, and and really plotting through and helping get us back on track.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Another number, just you ask about attendance specifically Mm -hmm. we look overall and these numbers are all based on the annual church reports we receive here at the office. The overall attendance, average attendance at our churches has declined by 17% in the last in the last, uh, 10, 11 years. So, yeah. it's, again, that's a pretty significant drop. 24% of all the Advent Christian churches in the U.S. and Canada, it's not international, but U.S. and Canada, mm-hmm. have fewer than 20 people in attendance. So that 20 number is significant because anything below that, you can almost be assured it's not going to be a full-time pastorate mm-hmm. and sort of having the critical mass necessary uh, to revitalize organically becomes an issue as you, as you have fewer and fewer people. like mm-hmm. it's doable. It's possible. I don't want to, that it's not but it certainly it makes it virtually impossible for to have a full-time pastor mm-hmm. if, if you look overall 65 percent of our churches have fewer than 50 people in attendance mm-hmm. now when you look at that number it's it's good there to actually compare it to the national average which is 42 percent mm-hmm. of all churches have fewer than 50 so we're, we're actually in a good bit worse shape because I'm not good at math, but I think 23% more of our churches have fewer than 50 people as compared to the national average. So our our churches are small, and I think there are probably a number of reasons for that. Mm -hmm. If If we look overall at sort of, again, if we just look at a single metric, and that single metric being worship attendance, because that's something that we have access to, then what we see is that overall... 48% of our churches are in decline, and that's since 2013. So that's the trend line we're looking at since 2013, so the last five years, basically. We're looking at, so nearly half of our churches, 48%, have a declining attendance. Another 32% of our churches are sort of in a plateaued state, Mm -hmm. and then we have theoretically 20% that are increasing in attendance. Mm -hmm. Again, I want to be careful here. This is a marker. Mm -hmm. This is not comprehensive. Mm -hmm. Your church can actually be shrinking and getting healthier, and your church can be growing and getting less healthy. So I think it's – but if you just look at it from a purely numeric perspective – we, we're sort of not trending in a good direction. The other thing I will just say is a lot of times on these reports, uh, I think pastors' math and real math are not always the same. So I, I hey, we didn't I, go to I, seminary I, to, to learn math,
0: right? Well, I, I mean, or whoever's filling out the report is not always <laughs> the
1: pastor, but I think sometimes the numbers are a bit, uh, perhaps a bit optimistic, but I don't really have any way of knowing that except from, of course, I just a couple of anecdotal. Kind of instances, but but the the reality is overall the trend line is trending downward and and in a pretty significant way it seems.
0: Yeah, that's that's not good. And, you know, I, and I've thought about this. You know, one of the difficult things is like if I have a church member who's going to move to another place of, of the state or country and whatnot, and I want to recommend for them as my pastoral duty, I think is to help them find the church of wherever they're um, going to be going to. Uh, it's hard to know what certain AC, t- AC churches teach and, you know, how important to to me and to that, that family do I think are our AC distinctive. So, you know, there could be, uh, you know, I know of churches in our region, in the, in the eastern region, um, even in my conference or across the denomination, that if if that church was the only church in town, depending on what else they're teaching – I might tell them to live somewhere else. You know, that's not a that's not a church that has some healthy teaching. Um, as much as I agree with the AC distinctives, uh, you know, some things are, you know, those are typically second or third tier, uh, uh doctrines. You know, as they affect the gospel, where there are more important things. You know, just you know, thinking of the the fight that we went through this past summer to affirm the the statement of faith and in, in in large lines it was based on the uh, uh the trinitarian statement that's in there you know I certainly would not recommend the non-Trinitarian church would you nah. yeah so so that's fairly easy as I've had you know it'd be much easier for us to do things like that. We're so few churches, but also if we could rely on confessional documents or catechisms and things like that to say I know what this church is going to teach these folks. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a different podcast. (laughs) Yeah, probably. My bad. Uh, So, what are the trends, or are there any trends that you see among the churches that are growing?
1: Yeah, and I thought about it. I thought this was a really good question that you brought up, and I started thinking about it. And I thought about four churches in particular that are just really healthy churches that are doing really well. And I've seen some, again, I've seen both quantitatively and qualitatively, these are healthy churches and they're getting, they continue to get healthier. Mm-hmm. And they're, so, so there's kind of four things that I think they all have in common. And although they're very, very uh, distinct, uh, they, one's a, a suburban kind of congregation, one's about as urban as you can get, inner city. Another one is very rural. I mean, like, so rural, they don't even have a supermarket in that town, rural. Wow. And then the other is on the West Coast, and I, I guess it would be kind of a, a community town. I'm not really sure. It's 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 not quite suburban, but it's not quite urban either. I'm not really sure how you would describe it. But, but these churches are all four very healthy, and I started thinking about what, what it – what, what they had in common. And, and the very first thing that popped to mind is every one of these churches has an evangelistic culture. Mm-hmm. Like evangelism is just a part of who they are. They have what I could say is a go and tell mentality. Like mm-hmm. that is central to who they are. Mm-hmm. I was uh, just at uh, one, of those, one of those churches a couple of weeks ago, and it's the inner city church. And they're doing an amazing thing there. They're, they are actually – Go, went to a local high school for six weeks and they are doing community evangelism training for anybody who wants to come, any of the other churches in the community and saying, Hey, we believe that telling people about Jesus is the most important thing. And they have really engaged their community and it's really responded to that. And, and so they wanted to help other churches do it, <laughs> but they are so kingdom minded that the pastor there is like, we don't want to do this training in our church because we want it. To help everybody understand, this is for everybody. This is yeah. for every church in the community because this is about the growing the kingdom of God. So I think that go and tell mentality is is so significant, and every one of these churches that the, the particularly the four that I'm thinking about, it's just part of their DNA. It's central to who they are, and, and that's a, that's something that you definitely see. Mm-hmm. In Um, The the second thing we sort of see is that most of these churches, as they grow, their growth is conversion growth, not transfer growth. So one of the churches, the one that's in the more suburban setting, I was uh, emailing with the pastor yesterday because I I just had one question for him. I said, as your church has grown and it's grown quite significantly over the last 10, 15 years, what's been your ratio, conversions versus transfers? And he said it's been about 50-50. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty good. But something else he said I thought was really interesting that of that 50%, this transfer growth, a lot of those are new people moving into the area. Mm-hmm. He's in an area that's growing just, just. Just blowing up. Mm-hmm. And so they're constantly having new people in. So even on the transfer growth, he's not, they're not getting a lot of people who are coming from the church down the street. They're getting people who are moving in that community from somewhere else, a okay. different state, a different part of the state, or whatever. And so what we see again is related to the evangelism culture is they have a real kingdom mindset. They're looking, they're not, in fact, I, this guy's even had to, you know, he's asked people like, don't, like, if you come here from another church, why why are you coming here? And 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 so he's very and these folks are just very much like, hey, we want to grow the kingdom of God, so we're we're not really interested. If you're part of a church, we want to help you stay there, unless there's just some reason to leave. Uh, so they they really are about growing, and a lot of their a lot of their growth comes from conversions, not from transfer. That's good. Um, Again, and this is related to something that we talked about earlier, but these churches, all four of them are engaged in their community Mm -hmm. and in significant ways. The inner city church is it's an inner city Chicago, and it has changed the whole community, changed the face of a very bad community and and made an impact. You talk about if that church closed tomorrow, would people miss it? Absolutely, because they are so involved and they serve that community in so many ways. And as I heard this great question from a guy named Mark Clifton a while back. He, and I think this is a good question for us to, to honestly answer about our own churches. is Does the church exist to serve the community or does the community exist to serve the church? And I think everybody's going to say, well, of course we exist to serve the community but the reality is that's not it because if you look at people's attitudes a lot of times that well, why are people coming what's wrong with people why are they coming to church and as i mentioned earlier um, i know a church that does a big kind of fall festival every year and the church is really not growing all that much or anything but the people in the church get kind of frustrated because they'll be couple hundred people that come out of the fall festival and then nobody's there at church on sunday Mm -hmm. and they're and they're not happy about that but the thing is you you serve to serve Mm -hmm. you serve because that's what you're called to do and that's the attitude of these churches is they exist to serve their communities and hopefully it gives them the opportunity to tell people about jesus and hopefully people will come to faith in christ but they exist to serve their communities. They're just super engaged in their communities in so many different ways. One of, one, of the, one of the churches actually bought a duplex unit, and they remodeled it, and they use it for, I think it's single moms that are homeless with families in transition. Wow. And, and that's the ministry of the church. Uh, their pastor is one man of the year in the town because the church is so engaged in the community.
0: I mean, it's just huge. That, so, I mean, how? Wait, wait. That is a crazy level of selflessness on the part of the church. Just say, absolutely. We're going to purchase this duplex, and we're not even going to put people. We're not going to use it for a parsonage. We're not going to use it so that we can have more staff. We have this amount of money. We're not going to use it for ourselves. We're really going to put this money back into the community and help the community.
1: Right, and that's what you see, and and all these churches that that I'm thinking about anyway, they're all like that. They're all like we're. They're very selfless, and they're with their time, with their financial resources, with their energy to say we. How do we serve the community? It's just a part of who they are, Mm -hmm. and so something like that is just massive. So absolutely, absolutely, and and then fourth, they reflect the communities in which they're located, and I mean when I say they reflect, I mean they reflect them demographically, they reflect them ethnically. Uh, they reflect them socioeconomically. Mm-hmm. In a lot of cases, uh, they the people. Even when you think about something like leadership in the churches, it's if you live in a pretty diverse community, is diversity represented up on that on that at that, pul- at that pulpit and on that stage every week? Mm-hmm. And so, and in these churches, that's true. Now, again, uh, the rural church—it's rural, and it's white, and it's in the Midwest, and that's what everybody looks like. But the inner city church is primarily african-american and that that's what everybody looks like but then you have some of the other churches uh, the more suburban church is uh, is more diverse and but you see that reflected in their leadership mm-hmm. and so that's a huge huge thing to if you're really going to want to reach your community you have to be you have to you know, Paul, you have to kind of be all things to all people, but you have to reflect your community because if you don't, it's going to be really difficult to to, to reach your community with the gospel.
0: Yeah, I think one way to be selfless about that is if your community has changed over, over time, like I know the history of the church that I'm at, they were once in the second largest city in New England. And, but they were having a very difficult time reaching the community because they were all Anglo and they were driving in from outside of the city uh, to come to this one gathering location. And they couldn't reach the community because it had all been become Hispanic and none of them spoke, none of them even spoke Spanish. So what they did was they sold their building and moved out to the burbs where all the white people were. And I'm not, I'm not disparaging that or whatnot, but. Uh, you know, I was recently reading something that was challenging to me. That said, a better way to do that is to try and find a Hispanic pastor or Hispanic staff members and things like that, that they would better relate to that community that's around them. And that's difficult as a pastor, right? If you're the pastor, this is how you know this is where you're at. Um, it's going to be difficult to make the recommendation to the church. Yeah, I think for us to be able to reach the community is you need to fire me. You know we need to go not for anything that I've done, but because I just can't resonate with this community um that takes a, a lot of humility, it takes a lot of selflessness, which is difficult, and I don't besmirch anyone for that like that's you know, and that wasn't the mentality thirty forty years ago, so yeah,
1: right, and well in some ways, I mean, of course you understand that because people have invested a lot of themselves and a lot of time and resources but you're right we should have this kind of open-handed approach to the church to the facilities to the ministry yeah. and understand i think that i think we talked about this last time this idea of it's it doesn't really belong to us it's mm-hmm. not ours and so yeah. we need to need to do that yeah. um, so as we, you think about the flip side of that though and what you see is sort of the mirror image of a lot of these trends Now I will say a lot of churches haven't done anything wrong. Mm -hmm. They're just victims of demographic shifts.
0: Why don't we why don't we save this for the next podcast? The next two. Uh, the next two questions that we're that we plan to get to we went a little long earlier so um, thank you for all those of you who who joined us Uh, we hope that this was edifying to you hey join us uh, in our next podcast we're going to talk talk about the flip side which Justin was just getting into Uh, are there any trends among the churches that are declining and then what are the next steps of a pastor who notices a church so join us next time and and, uh, God bless